to another edition of the Two Off the Tee podcast brought to you by IB Sports and Club Junkies and sponsored by Sabbath Golf. Sabbath Golf, our new sponsor, channels the history of the game while enhancing the weekend experience. They have an amazing selection of hats, T-shirts, wearing one right now, golf tees, towels, hickory alignment sticks, and much, much more. Use the promo code 2 off the tee with the number 2 at the beginning of that promo, and you will receive 15% off any purchases on the site. So go to sabbathgolf.com to check out their products. I am your host, Keith Fleming. With me, as always, is my co-host, Scott Porter. Today, we are going to be discussing what is going on in the world of golf currently, and then gambling expert, Alan, a.k.a. Actively Lazy, will be calling in to discuss gambling on golf. You're going to hear his tips. He's had an unbelievable year gambling on golf, and he's going to tell you how he makes those amazing picks. Scott, how are you doing? I am good, buddy. Looking forward to uh, coming back off this little hiatus we uh, we took. We took about a month off, uh, reorganized ourselves, and we got big things coming, man. I'm excited about two off the tee. I just want to thank uh, Sabbath Golf. Uh, it's a great startup company based out of Chicago. Um, it's a company that, that has a lot of really, really, really cool products already, and they're going to be coming out with even more amazing products. I use my golf towel every day. I repped it in my tournament today. I saw you earlier were wearing your T-shirt. It looks fantastic on you, buddy. Um, so, you know, they, they have great products. I hope people actually do go on there and, and use that use that promo code because, like I said, the, the products themselves are fantastic. The company's fantastic. And uh, I also wanted to give a shout-out to Alan, a.k.a. Actually Lazy, like you said, for coming on the show, being our first AKA guest ever I off two on the Jesus, too, yeah. Um, so, you know, he's he's the first guest ever on two off the tee. Um, we, we went through pretty much this past golf season, just me and you. It uh, got a little boring. I'm not gonna lie to you. So I'm excited about having him <laughs> on and uh, and sharing his sharing his picks and uh, and and the method to his madness. Like you said, he he's he's turned in uh, his his picks are incredible and the run he's been. We're gonna on, go we'll through get that, into that later. Yeah, it's gonna it, way, you're, it's gonna blow your mind call for uh, the uh, medium shirt. You know who knew that they made a medium shirt, but for little guys like me, they <laughs> I, made a special exception. So. I don't need this medium. You ready to do this, Scott? Let's do it, buddy. All right. So, last week, Kevin Na wins the Shriner. Uh, On his way to winning the tournament, a sudden death playoff versus Patrick Cantley, he set a new PGA Tour record, making, and I had to read this like five times to make sure this was actually correct, (laughs) 558 feet of putt. He is the third player in history on the tour to make multiple tournaments of making over 500 feet of putt. The only, uh, or excuse me, his other being in the 2009 Waste Management Tournament. He also set a PGA record, this is a shocker, in the shot link era for the most total strokes gained uh, at 14.263. He won in front of a home crowd. He grew up near the area. He made, amazingly, a triple bogey on number 10 on Sunday. He brought a lot of players back into the mix, including Cantley. The crowd really encouraged him on, led him to, you know, two birdies on the next four holes, leading to a playoff with Cantley. He would win on the third playoff hole. Scott, I mean, what can you say about Kevin Na right now? There's not much you can say, man. Kevin Na, he, he's been around the tour, obviously, for a long time. Um, and he's been a, he's, 
he's never been a household name uh, except for golf fanatics like yourself and I, but he's, he's been somebody that, that has been a consistent presence on tour. He, he doesn't, he, he seems to get in a groove where he'll go multiple weeks in a row and he's just putting lights out. And this was one of those weeks. I've never seen anything like that. Sport, for those of you that don't quite understand what strokes game putting means, and or there, we have everything, strokes game tee, tee to green, strokes game driving, strokes game approach. Strokes game putting means he averaged 14 shots better than the field on the putting green. That is absolutely absurd when you consider that these are the best putters on planet Earth. And to average 14 shots, he gained 14 shots on the field. Putting is absolutely insane. 558 feet of putt. A lot of people don't make that in a month. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Or like a year, is, if you're me. Or, uh, yeah, maybe. We've seen you putt. No, I'm just kidding. You, you're actually a lot better putter. You give yourself credit for it. But Kevin Na, is, he's, he's on a, um, in, uh, just a absolutely insane run putting. Um, we all know about his walking in, how he, how he kind of walks in the putts. I don't know if that has anything to do with it or not. But the dude is on fire right now. It's great to see him playing golf because he's, he's good for the game. He's funny. He's energetic. Some people play, say say he plays a little a little slow, a little methodical, but, I mean, shit, if that was my job, I'd do it too. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, he is absolutely an incredible golfer, but he also seems to be an incredible person off the course, and and I'm extremely happy for him. I didn't like to see that triple on 10. Like you said, it did – it did give a gap for the rest of the field to come back in it and uh, and and kind of make it interesting. And what can you say about Pat, Patrick Cantley too? I mean, he's the number six ranked golfer in, in the world, I think, right now, and he just continues to improve each and every week and get better. And he's become a very consistent presence uh, on on the core. So that's a scoring line moving moving into this season uh, to watch both of those guys and see if they can keep their hot streaks going. Well, how about Cantley? Uh, I think he likes that golf course. He has in three the last three seasons has a win and two runner ups. So uh, I think he likes that golf course. How good and is Kevin that? Kevin Na, that's that's unreal. And Kevin Na, as I tell people, he is the hero we deserve. I know that he is, uh, you know, a little slow, but how great is it to see a guy out there that doesn't hit it a mile, but he still walks the walk. I mean, spinning the driver, walking putts in, seems like just a super nice guy. And, oh, by the way, you know, he had that moment with Tiger Woods earlier this year. I believe it was at the Tour Championship where they both early walked in the putts on 17. And he is mm-hmm. now at the point where he deserves some serious President's Cup's consideration. I mean, he is one of the better ball strikers in the world and definitely one of the better putters. And in team events, you can't go wrong with either of those things. No, for sure. Um, it, that's actually surprising to me that Na has never played on a U.S. national team. Um, so, he, you know, he definitely um, – he Tiger should be looking hard at, at Kevin Na. Um, it's one of those things, again, I think we're going to get into that a little bit later, but it's one of those things there's only so many spots, and we have so many good players. Um, that that come out, and we'll get we'll get there. Why there's probably one less spot than we thought. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. But Kevin Na is he's become he's kind of found an identity out there. I think in the last in the last few years, Um, and and he's really he's gotten comfortable with his game. He knows exactly where he's going to put the ball. He knows exactly how to leave makeable putts. That's that's what a lot of people don't understand is. A lot of putting is is where you where you leave your ball, 
Um, you know, knowing where not to hit it or knowing where you can be a little bit more aggressive because you can get away with it if you miss it a little bit. And I think that's what he's so good at is is putting, you know, putting himself in the position to make those 30-footers, to make the occasional 40-footer, but not to three-putt and, and to make to make a lot of really, really good putts. He, he definitely won this golf tournament um, with overall his, his entire game. But, I mean, anytime you, you average 14 strikes on the field, um, with, with with putting and and you make over 550 feet of putt. That's that's a bit absurd. So, you know, absolutely. It is, so let's it's, uh, just, it, it it's insane. Yeah. Some interesting quotes to come out of the Shriners. I just wanted to go over real quick the tournament. Uh, I just take a guess who said this. I should have kissed it after I won. I will give it a kiss when I get home. Talking about their putter. I think we know who that is. That is uh, Kevin yeah. uh, uh, Phil Phil Mickelson, who, in case you didn't notice, looking slim and trim. Phil, uh, he uh, is going to said he's going to continue to eat better, eat less, and work out more. Just stay committed to it. Uh, I I, I got to admit that I was somebody who, for a long time, thought Phil, you know, gave away a lot of tournaments. Questioned sometimes his desire to win because of some of the decisions he made. You know, you make all that money and fame and stuff, but you got to give him credit for trying all this stuff as he's getting older to try to extend his career and to continue to be able to compete, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, Phil is he he's turned his inner he's turned to his inner Benjamin Button. Uh, he's looking like he did in the nineties when he was first out there, all slim and trim. Shit, he and, never looked like that. You know, he 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 was always a little dope. Okay. He looked, I mean, he's actually looking kind of cut. Yeah, but yeah, but in the in the nineties, you know, it, it he didn't he didn't have quite the gut on that that he that we saw in the last fifteen years. The man so. boobs and yeah, the the man boobs exactly. But the other thing is, we all know about him hitting bombs, but. Phil is dedicated. He's kind of rededicating himself to being great on the PGA Tour. I think he saw his not his abilities necessarily were diminishing, but he couldn't he couldn't use his magician skills and his uh, his magic around the greens with his flops and with his wedges and his putting. I I don't think he could continue just to to compete based on that. He had to improve. He had to improve his ball striking. He had to improve with the driver. And I think you're seeing somebody that is giving it his all and wanting to really keep it going. He he's not somebody that wants to go quietly to or quietly to the night or to the senior tour. He wants to compete, man. He, and he can still do it. Obviously, he won last year uh, at Pebble. He can still play this golf uh, or this game of golf and and I'm excited to see what he brings. He's always always a fun guy to watch, especially for me being a Callaway guy. Um and it's just it's just something that it when Phil Especially with we've talked about the social media presence for a long time now. Uh, pretty much on every episode of Two Off the Tee, we've we've mentioned it in some way, shape, or form. But with his presence doing that, and and just the overall impact that he has for the game, anytime Phil Mickelson is relevant, it's great. So. And then one other quote that is actually kind of an interesting story this season with you know the presence he's been. Uh, Kepka kind of just casually said, "If I was what he had stem cell." therapy on his knee and he said as I was watching on the screen as they were doing it and it was probably one of the most painful things I was screaming when they did it that sounds really painful is this going to be a, a, a big issue for Kepka this season I mean is this something you think we need to watch or is this something that is just 
something simple and let's move on because he's defending one major and obviously he's been racking him up at a record pace. Uh, this that was kind of surprising to me that it was sort of a non-story, even though he basically said that he had this procedure that he was screaming during. Yeah, I, I hope it's not an issue. Um, I would hate to see <clears throat> such a dominant run of golf get get ruined or, or kind of um, abrupted by, by this injury. I hope it's nothing. I'm really, really, really praying it's nothing because he's such a good golfer, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he does this year. Who isn't? So let's get into one of the more interesting stories in golf in quite some time. Uh, and I'm going to butcher his name, so I apologize, I think. But the Korean Tour money leader is Biochem. He was just suspended three years for flipping off a fan at a Korean Tour event. He was upset because a fan used the camera phone. It made a shutter sound in his downswing. It caused an errant shot. He turned around. He flipped off the fan and then slammed his club <laughs> to the ground. The 29-year-old, would he go on to win the event. He was a PGA Tour member in 2011. And a statement from the Korean tour, they said, uh, bio basically damaged the dignity of a golfer with etiquette violation and inappropriate behavior. The PGA tour is currently discussing whether or not they would give Kim the opportunity to seek status on any of their tours. No, I, I don't think anybody would argue that his actions were justified, but oh my God, like a three-year suspension for giving somebody the finger, like this is like the most ridiculous thing I've ever. I know things are different over there, but this is nuts. Yeah, I mean it's obviously a different culture. Um, Koreans uh, and, and Korea as a culture holds itself to higher standards um, in in regards to etiquette and just pretty much every aspect of golf. But when you when you think about it, if the PGA Tour is going to allow Sergio to continue playing after everything that he's he's done, they're, they're going to allow exactly. people Bingo. to keep playing after after spitting in cups and, and everything else. You have to think they would allow this guy to come out because he is such a great talent. You have to think that they would allow him to at least try to qualify for the PGA Tour. For I mean, for flipping off the fan for something that lasts point five seconds, obviously not a good look suspend them for a couple of weeks, but three years, come on, man, that's ridiculous. And obviously we're a little biased being in America. We're a little bit more liberal and progressive and laid back in, in regards to that kind of stuff. Um, we have basketball players, you know, that have gone up in the stands and started fights. So it's different, but that's, it's just absurd, man. It's, it's absolutely absurd. Now I, uh, I hope that they give them a chance on the, the, at least, you know, even if it's not the, you know, PGA, the corn fairy, something, because it, it would just be a shame that the guy, you know, basically can't make a living for three years because of, as you said, something that took two seconds uh, for him to do. And we've all been there where you lose your cool and, you know, do or say something that you, you probably regret. Uh, let's move on to, and I'm going to try to do this with a question mark voice. Did Tiger Woods announce he's playing in the President's Cup as a player? Uh, in a letter recently, two fans in Melbourne, Tiger said, I can't wait to fill the atmosphere in Melbourne. Melbourne is one of the greatest sporting cities in the world, and I know their fans will turn out to watch another great President's Cup. If you haven't gotten your tickets yet, make sure you head to presidentscup.com. The interesting part of this letter, because that was really boring, is it signed Tiger Woods, <laughs> and under that, underneath that it says U.S. Team Captain. That is scratched out, and it says Playing Captain underneath it. 
Strangely enough, Tiger has not officially announced he will be a playing captain. He continues to state that the eight automatic qualifiers and his assistant captains will have input in who he picks, but ultimately the GOAT's going to make the final decision. I think we all know that. Scott, is Tiger going to play in the event as well as being the captain, and is this the right decision? Well, if he's not going to play as a playing captain, then he has given us the biggest loop-de-doop runaround in the history of loop-de-doop <laughs> runarounds. Because why would you even why would you even tease us like that if you're not going to play? Here's the thing: three three things that I want to make sure that that are true before he decides. Or it sounds like he already has decided to me. But are you healthy? Are you in the right frame of mind? And is your game chart? If those three things are check yeses, then I'm all for him playing. I mean, he won the Masters last year. He's still one of the greatest golfers in the world. And if his game is sharp, then he should be on the team, and he should pick himself. But if he hasn't played competitively and his game isn't sharp, like we saw at the end of the year because he looked hurt to me, and he's not physically ready to play, then just do what you know how to do and lead and and lead the, it's not the Ryder Cup. We should win this. Don't put the team at risk if you're not 100 percent. Is my is my thoughts on it. So if you're ready and you can Boy, do it, by all means, by all means he, do it. He but had the surgery, so we know we know he's definitely he was injured. You were right. We we discussed it. I think the last like three four podcasts. He just didn't look completely healthy or physically right. So. That's taken care of. What's interesting, though, is I think he's only teeing it up two times before the President's Cup. I know he's playing in the Hero uh, Tournament, which is his event. Everybody that is on the President's Cup team and pretty much on the bubble for the President's Cup team is playing in that event, except for Brooks Kepka. I don't know what that's about. And uh, he's getting a huge paycheck in October, I guess. Where is that? And uh, AJ is also going to have – well, actually, I guess he has three events because he also has the uh, – Skins game or whatever they're doing with Rory, yeah, uh, Jason Day, and Hideki, right? Uh, but I, I just again, it's it's very weird that he did this, and then he's been straight up asked if he's definitely playing, and he said that you know he's like being coy, saying, well, you know, the same old that we'll look at this and make a decision. I love it. It is a, it'd be the weirdest loop to loop. Like I, I, you know, make me wonder if Tigers. Uh, back taking some of the medications that he was on the night that he got pulled over. You know, he let something like that get out, and he's not actually playing. I think we both can agree that with, you know, mostly young team, I'm sure they would love to play with Tiger, would love to get paired with Tiger, especially in an event that doesn't have the pressure of the Ryder Cup because they actually win this a majority of time, unlike the Ryder Cup. Uh, exactly. Let's talk about the, the next big thing in golf, at least that I, I keep – telling people I think is you John think. Rahm won you the think. Spanish Open. I do. I do. Uh, John Rahm won the Spanish Open this uh, last week by five shots. It moves him back in the top five in the official world ranking. Uh, I've said numerous times on the podcast, especially of all the European players, I think he's the next big thing. I think he's probably the best bet to be the next big thing, period. And even I didn't realize he has got off to this astounding start on his career. That's his eighth win in 88 starts on the PGA and European Tour. That That's amazing. What's even more amazing, okay. he has now 43 top tens in 88 events. That means basically 49% of the times he tees it up, he finishes in the top ten. 
since the inception of the world uh, official world golf ranking, only Tiger Goat Woods has a higher top 10 percentage at 57.5, of course. It also needs to be said that Tiger's number is declining. At one point, I think it was over 70% in the early 2010s. He's obviously not been as successful in the last five, six years, injuries, and just getting older. Uh, Rory McIlroy, who had that amazing season, he's third on this list at 48.7%. Rory won player this year with 14 out of 18 top 10s. But less known is Rom had 12 out of 20 top 10s. I, I was not aware of that. I knew he played pretty well. Scott, are you getting on board with my take that this guy might uh, be the next dominant player in the game of golf? Oh, man. I, I think he has every ability in the world to do it. I think, um, you know, tee to green and putting, he's there 100%. Obviously, he's already doing it. That number is absurd. I'm, I'm My jaw is on the floor right now, you know, reading these numbers and, and hearing you say them. But at the same time, it, just like any other Spaniard, can you control your emotions? Will we see a dip? Will we? How every professional golfer goes through lulls and and, and goes through um, low points. We haven't seen that yet with Rom, but we have seen his anger issues, and it'll be interesting to see how he how he battles back. I'm not ready to call him the next great thing in golf. Um, I think he's he's he is great, but I don't think he's. I, if he does it again this year. And he keeps the same streak, and he and he he's up close to that fifty percent through five years of being on tour. Then I I'll agree with you that he's definitely the next big thing in golf. But until then, right now it's still Burks Campio. So we were gonna go, you know, talk about the Houston Open. You know, the first round started today. Uh, looking at the leaderboard, it's a bunch of no names on there. It is not very interesting. I think uh, what we'll maybe do is let you do one more plug for our wonderful uh, sponsor, Sabbath Golf, and we'll get right into talking to Alan, and we'll let him tell us if there's anything we need to pay attention to in the Houston Open when it comes to gambling terms. But uh, you want to go ahead and do that plug, Scott? Yeah, guys. So, again, this is uh, Two Off the Tee podcast brought to you by IB Sports and Club Junkies, but we are now sponsored officially by Sabbath Golf. Sabbath Golf channels the history of the game while enhancing the weekend experience. Go to their website, sabbathgolf.com, and check out all of their selections, uh, hats, T-shirts, tees, ball markers, um, alignment sticks, really, really cool alignment sticks made out of real hickory wood, and use the promo code that uh, two off the tee. Again, that's two, the number two off the tee, to get 15% off of your order. Um, Sabbath Golf is, is a company that started in Chicago, and, and they're going to do really big things, and we – Greatly appreciate them partnering with us for the, uh, another episode uh, in the future of Two Off the Tee Podcast. Well, let's get to the man, the myth, the legend, Alan, a.k.a. Ivy Yeezus, a.k.a. Actively Lazy. He has a college football podcast on the Ivy Sports podcast feed. They discuss the games that week, who they like. My favorite segment is what team is at the kitty table uh, for that week, for their, their performance the week before. <laughs> Alan, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Man, doing fantastic. Uh, do you want to, you know, before – actually, let me go through this real quick just to show how good you've been this year. So, I've been following Alan's bets and the uh, uh, IB Sports uh, social media pages, and let me just go through – 
some of the winners and the odds that he's given this year. He had Xander at 30 to 1 at the Tournament of Champions, Kuchar at 40 to 1 at the Sony Open, Justin Rose at the Farmers Open at 17 to 1, Phil at Pebble at 25 to 1. He told you to get Tiger at 19 to 1 before his odds went down, Kepka at the PGA at 9 to 1, Cantley at 16 to 1 at the Memorial. He did a live play, I think about halfway through the tournament, or maybe it was on Sunday for the 3M Open with Wolf at 7 to 1. Kepka with the FedEx St. Jude at 10 to 1. JT at the BMW at 14 to 1. Just last week, he gave us uh, Pat Perez for a top 20 at 9 to 1. And he told me his best win in golf gambling ever was he took Xander at 100 to 1 uh, in the FedEx in 2018. Remember, he started at 28th place. Uh, Alan, do you want to just kind of say how you got into gambling on golf? Your background? Yeah, it, it sounds. It sounds so great when you read it off like that. I sound like a genius. <laughs> but, uh, you, you are, are a genius, Dave. No, it's, it's not that easy, man. Um, I'm I'm always humble when it comes to my, to my gambling. Um, I'm a very streaky gambler. When I'm hot, I'm super hot. Um, I got into golf on a whim. Um, you know, sometimes people say it's better to be lucky, uh, and that's basically how I started. My first golf bet win was uh, Henrik Stenson uh, at the British Open back in, I think, 2016. I, I, if I Honestly, I don't know why I picked Stenson. Um, my friend uh, introduced me to it. It was uh, Jeff Rushing. He introduced me to, to golf and gambling in general, and my uh, homeboy, Corey Carlton, we we had talked about the tournament. I'd never watched the golf tournament uh, other than Tiger Woods' first Masters win. I watched it with my dad. Uh, but other than that, I never followed golf, didn't know anything about it. Looked up some stuff and was like, ah, I'll take Stinson. It was like 60 to 1. What's eh, the you know, arm? I'll put $10 on it. I mean, win 600 if you win is nothing. And I will never forget the rush that I had at the, uh, in the final round. And, and I mean, Phil, Phil and him had a very good duel um, that day. And it was, I want to say it was the last hole and Stinson just, just went for it, man. Like, you know, playing basically not to lose. Like he's like, whatever, I'm, I'm closing it right here. And, you know, uh, at the British open, those, uh, those bunkers are like ginormous, you know, you fall in there and you, you're, you're never getting out. And I kid you not, the ball literally was about six inches away. And, and that rush that I felt uh, watching that, I've been hooked ever since, man. Uh, so I started in 2016. Had a little rough 2017, but, you know, uh, you, you read it off. I did take Xander Shoffley at 100 to 1. Um, I posted about it in the group at one point, and people kind of dismissed it. Uh, I took Xander because I had been following Xander. Um, I really like young golfers. I latch on to young golfers. Uh, I think, you know, if we're talking strategies, finding a good young golfer is the best way to maximize your value uh, as you're betting along the tour. John Rahm, you guys were talking about him earlier. He was one of my favorites when he first came on. Um, and I've probably won five out of those eight wins. So I'm, I'm definitely a fan. Um, but I latched on to Xander. It was the biggest payday I ever had. Um, I am sad to report that Gary Woodland would have been my second biggest at the um, U.S. Oh. Open this year. But I did not, and I kid you not, I did not hit send on the bet, and so I missed it. Oh. And I, I was oh. extremely disgusted when I didn't hit that. But um, 
it's it's been one of those things where I'd be alive if I told you that I know golf on the levels that you guys know golf. I don't. Um, but I'm humble. I listen to people. I listen to golfers. I uh, I read up on courses. Um, I, I take into consideration that I don't know everything, and I think that's part of the reason why I've been successful over the last year is that I honestly go in with an open mind. So when you're going to, let's say a tournament's coming up, what's some of the resources and stuff that you use? I know you just said that you obviously do research on the course and stuff. Do you look at past, uh, you know, success at a course? Do you look, I mean, like, where where do you start, basically, when you're getting ready to make a bet on a tournament? Okay, so um, my two main resources that I use, um, uh, the Notorious – uh, jack up his. Uh, I'm gonna jack up his um, his uh, Instagram handle. But there's a, a gentleman on Roto Grinders who goes by the alias Notorious. Um, there's also it used to be a gentleman on Roto Grinders named Josh Colt. Uh, he moved to a website called Numberball, um, and I use him as well. Uh, those are my two resources for uh, statistics on course layouts and and kind of advanced stats. Josh is really really good at advanced stats. He's got a, a nice system with a spreadsheet. Uh, he keeps uh, year to two year um, statistics on guys and, and, and like what kind of greens they're good on, if the field's strong and so forth and so on. So I, I use those two uh, as resources. And generally what happens is uh, Notorious will put his course preview out on a Monday. Josh does his uh, preview on a Tuesday. And then by Wednesday, he'll have his statistics in order and then uh, from there, I'll kind of gauge who's statistically uh, looking like they'll be playing well. And then I use my own insight uh, with my friends, Jeff uh, and Ian Harrison as well. Uh, I talk to them about it. I even talk to you guys about it sometimes, just things that I, I feel are good about, like certain golfers who you guys like. Um, and then I look at what people are playing on Roto Grinders and uh, on DraftKings and uh, – FanDuel, and it's a lot of data collection uh, all the way up until Wednesday. And then don't tell my boss, but I usually take about an hour, two hours out of my day, and I sit down and I sort things out. Um, and it's not just what other people tell me. Um, it's also what I see because I'm following the sport and what I feel. So um, to give you an example this week, Houston Open, uh, the – my my guy Pat Perez was like almost 100 to 1 last week, but in this field he was like 25 to 1. So he didn't necessarily uh, – I don't think he played. I think he scratched. But you have to take into consideration field strength, okay? So this isn't a big field. There's not a lot of big names. I think Stinson was the headliner. I'm not going to take Stinson to win, even though he's the clear favorite. He's the well-known player. I'm looking for value in these small tournaments. So when I'm looking for value, I'm looking at who's kind of running hot right now. Um, who who's uh, who's got potential to really break out? And so I took Lando as one of my picks. Um, I liked his putter uh, last week. He's a VCU guy, so he's local. I kind of know him. Um, I really like what I saw out of out of his play so far. And he hasn't necessarily done a whole lot, but he's been top twenty, you know, recently. And 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 those are the type of things that you want to kind of look at is current form when you're talking about golfers. And then the course layout, I don't know anything about the Houston Open, but I see a whole lot of water when I look at the course layout. So I get scared of that, and I want to find guys who are generally accurate off the tee because um, we want to avoid the water at all costs. And then with bent grass, I think it's generally slow 
when we're talking about the greens. So I'm looking at guys who, who can really sink putters, uh, like the easy stuff too. And um, I basically try to condense all that into something that looks like a list of people that could potentially win. And then I break it down by tiers. So it's, Kind of a lot, but I'll explain it to you as quick as I can. Uh, you take favorites. Let's say Tiger Woods was playing at 19-1. to 1. That's generally what I would consider mid-tier odds. Uh, the Brooks Kopeka lines, those are like 10-1. to 1. He's, Those are like tier one favorites, all right? So they're going to cost a lot of money um, if you want to actually win a lot of money. So um, you have to only take one person like that, and generally you want to look at that as your hedge option, okay? Um what you find in smaller tournaments is the guys who are 30 to 40 to one are the ones who win. And that's where you want to really put your most time into researching. Like who's that 30 to 40 uh, that's going to win. And for this week, like I said, Lando fit the bill. Um, he has a chance. I mean, he had a good start. He shot six under today. Um, and he only had two bogeys. I, I definitely followed him the entire way just to make sure, you know, my information was correct. And so far it looks good, you know, and that's what you generally want to see. Is somebody that starts out pretty strong and, and is in contention by Saturday. Uh, I think Scott got disconnected for a minute. Alan Scott, okay. you still there? It's, oh yeah, actually he is. Uh, you know what? That that's who it was. I'm sorry. I saw him call back in, and I didn't know exactly who the number was. I'm sorry, Scott. It's a lot. I talked a lot. I apologize. Just at me in the group and Why I'll explain are you, it to dude, you. This and, is, no, no, this is what we got you on here, man. Do not apologize. So uh, another question that I had was the live betting. I noticed that you did, you know, Matthew Wolf. Uh, do you do a lot of that where you look how things are going through the weekend? You know, say, is that normally something that you look after Friday? Obviously, I know the odds go down as the tournament gets going, especially because obviously somebody's not going to come back from six shots back. But, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, is how do you do that? So I've had some success with live betting. Um, I didn't have success this past weekend. I know you guys probably saw my post about Patrick Cantley. I did take a live bet on Patrick Cantley, and I'm still trying to figure out how he hit the water. Uh, <laughs> was, I think it was like the 16th hole, uh, like where he where – he, it just took a weird bounce, and it just rolled back into the water. Um, so generally when I do a live bet, um, sometimes I'm looking to hedge, which, you know, if I put two, $300 into a tournament and I take a live bet on somebody, it's generally one of my guys are in contention. Um, and I could potentially win five to 600 minimum on this particular person. So I just want to make sure I get something out of the tournament and I'll take somebody that's in second or, or third. Uh, my strategy with picking Cantley um, last week is that Cantley is a strong finisher. Um, Kevin, nah, I, I really, I know he was amazing with his putter, and I just had a feeling that he just wasn't going to do enough to win. Like I just felt like he was going to end up losing by one stroke, and the opportunity was there. It kind of played out how I wanted, although I could have never foresaw. I think the double bogey that he had um, on the turn on the back nine. But um, or maybe it was a triple bogey. But either way, Cantley Cantley came back doing what Cantley generally does. He's consistent, not necessarily overpowering, but but he pars out and then he gets the birdies when he needs it. And um, it just didn't quite work out that way. The Matthew Wolf 
pick was actually my friend Ian Harrison had been talking about him, and uh, I was out of town that weekend, and uh, we were both following that tournament, and uh, it was Saturday night uh, to early Sunday morning. Uh, we started talking, and, and it was just kind of like on a whim. We felt good about what we had seen uh, that, that weekend, and uh, it was like, you know, if there's a time to really get some value out of this guy, this is going to be it. And I actually put that post in the group and told everybody about it, like, hey, you know, it's it's a little risky. It's 7-1, and you don't generally see odds that high on a Sunday. Uh, so it's 7-1, but I really feel good about this guy. Uh, we've been watching him, uh, been keeping tabs on him throughout the year, and, and I think it's all coming together. I got a good feeling. So I put, I put a couple hundred on that, actually, which is way more than I would normally bet um, on a 7-1. But I just felt, I just felt that good. And uh, it paid out, uh, and it paid out in the most dramatic fashion. You know, I think he holed out uh, an eagle. Oh, it's a great eagle putt. Be- yep. Yeah. So sometimes, I mean, a lot of golf gambling is that that you're you're just lucky, man. And and um, I don't want people to think that I just pick a winner. There's a system. Like I pick five to six golfers because you have to. Like it's just that difficult. You can't just go out and pick one person and think you're gonna win. It's just that. It's just kind of difficult. That's why. I, I place it in tiers and I, and I pick the way that I pick because there's a method to the madness. You know, you kind of want to space yourself out, but also target certain golfers because ultimately uh, if we're not talking about majors, everybody in the field has a chance. We've, we've seen that happen in this, in this last year and a half that I've been betting golf pretty much every single Sunday. It's, it's been incredible how many first time winners we've had, you know, so you have to be open-minded. You have to, yeah, like uh, Neiman. I picked Neiman to win uh, the tournament that he won, and it was because he was a good ball striker, and I didn't know much about the course, and that's my default. If I don't know much about the course, but you can strike the ball, I'm going to take a shot with you. And I did, and he won, and it was great. But that was his first time winning. I think he made history. I think he was, like, the youngest Latino winner or something like that. But oh, yeah. just being just being open-minded and willing to take the chance um, has paid off for me a lot. So you had mentioned earlier that you kind of look for a young guy to play. Is there a new mm-hmm. young guy on tour that you really like either this year or is on your radar for future years? Um, well, I'm trying to buy into the Scotty Sheffer hype. I can't. <laughs> He's really letting me down, man. <laughs> uh, I, I think I'll just keep tabs on him. Uh, I've been playing him – uh, as a top 20 prop in some of the uh, heftier tournaments because there's some value there. But then, like, this weekend, Houston Open, if I had to give it a grade, I was thinking, like, a D uh, as far as, like, um, like the uh, competition pool. And so I fully expected him to just come out today. It's, it's in Texas. He's familiar with that, uh, with, like, the bent grass and, and just Houston weather and so forth and so on. I really thought he was going to jump out. Um, he kind of struggled a little so I'm going to keep an eye on him. But if I had to say one guy that I really love is Victor Holland or Hovland. Um, I really like him. I, I think he's going to have a, a breakout year this year. Um, he always has three really good rounds. And then the fourth round is just like, just like him. Like they just can't seem to get over the hump. They, they're really good golfers. And I know it's going to click eventually. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep playing him because eventually I'm going to get the value back. You know, if you, if you, better young guy like uh, Xander. I mean, imagine how much money I put into Xander this year. 
Um, even though he only won, I think, one or two tournaments, I bet Xander pretty much every single time because that's my guy, and, and the value's still relatively good on Xander. So if you bet Xander and he only wins like once or twice, let's say you put $10 on him every time, you're going to spend up to about two two fifty on Xander. If he wins once, you're going to win four or 500 back because his odds are that good. So it's just an investment at that point with these young guys. So I like Victor a lot. Yeah, I think, Alan, um, one one thing that, that is misconstrued about, about golf gambling is that you, you only bet for the winner. Um, I think yeah. one of the one of the one of the coolest ways and one of kind of one of the safest ways, in, in my opinion, is to find a, a stud that that kind of is is always in it, right? So do you mm-hmm. do you like to bet for top tens and top twenties as as much as you like to bet for the winner? Obviously, the thrill probably isn't isn't there, and the odds aren't quite as good. But what would what would you say are kind of your tips and guidelines for for those top tens and top twenty bets? So. For um, top tens, top twenties, what I've what I've uh, started doing over the last like four or five months, um, I was very heavy on like top five, top ten, top twenty, and um, I kind of condensed it now. Uh, for majors, I'll do a top five, top ten, um, all the way down to a top twenty. For these smaller tournaments, just strictly top twenty, and and the reason for that being is that there's so much inconsistency uh, in the young golfers and mm-hmm. these smaller fields or, or shaky fields, like you don't want to put too much money into into it. You don't want to like really invest in it. Now you give me the British Open, uh, the US Open, the Masters, things of that nature. Even um, I think the one tournament, the Memorial, I think is what Cantley won. Like that was a pretty strong field, even though people mm-hmm. didn't necessarily think it was going to be that way. And when I looked at it, it graded as an A to me. So I'm getting an A field, but with like D field odds. Oh, I was all over. I probably put five hundred dollars into that tournament, and I hit every single bet, including my top five, top ten. I won the winner. Like I really broke broke off on that tournament. So that was just a calculated uh, um, attack. But for the most part, like I said, if it's not a major, I I stick to strictly top twenties. Um, and then for that uh, particular top twenty, I look for one guy that's consistent. Uh, one guy that's a, a trustworthy vet uh, last week, that was Pat Perez. Um, he has great numbers on the West Coast, um, and that was in Vegas. Uh, he didn't necessarily fit the bill of a, of, of a current trend, so I just leaned more onto historical data, and it paid off at 9-1. to one. It was just a chance that I took, and it, and it worked out. Uh, but for the most part, uh, like I said, I try to just split it between three on my top 20, a vet, a young guy, and then somebody that's just playing really consistent golf. Uh, this week, my three were, um, I stuck with, um, Lando and then, uh, I don't know if you guys know Ortiz, I think it's Carlos Ortiz. Um, mm-hmm. he was one of my top twenties. And then there's this, this <laughs> and you guys got to forgive me because I'm still learning a lot of their names. Uh, the Chinese guy, Zhang, he's been really oh. like quiet. He's quietly been hitting a lot of top twenties. So I took him again, mm-hmm. and I think he had like he shot like six under today. So I'm I'm feeling really good about that because uh, he had some really good value. He was like almost four to one. Um, so I was really excited about that. Um, but I generally try to pick guys for top twenties and top tens 
that I'm not willing to take the risk on winning outright, but I want to keep an eye on. So um, it, it does keep me interested if I if I lay a bet on them. Now, if we're talking majors and so forth, I know you guys remember uh, the British Open. I took Rom as a top five, and that worked out great. Um, I took Brooks as a top five as well. Oh, no, I took Brooks as a top five in the British Open, and I think I took Rom as a top five in, like, another major. But I generally target the, the better players for um, top fives. So if Brooks is 10-1, to 12-1 as a winner, he'll probably pay out about uh, almost 2-1 to one as a top five. That's not bad, you know, and we know how Brooks, he gets up for those majors. Um, and and right. you think about his streak last year, I mean, that paid out incredibly. I think he pretty much was a top five in, like, every major that he played in. So you think yeah, about he, the he, money he was. Invested. Yeah, so the money invested in that paid for itself almost uh, threefold. So, um, they, like I said, it's a method, but you just have to understand that every tournament is different. Um, every player um, has their ups and downs, and, and you, you're along for the ride if you're betting on them. Since it's been a horrible week for Atlanta fans, it, it always is. <laughs> it, let's let's yeah. just because if you can't laugh about it, you're going to cry. Tell me, go ahead and tell our listeners because you know, man, Scott, Scott's only a Braves fan. I'm a all the way around Atlanta fan. Well, you said mm. there was one other bet that was a bigger return on investment than the, the Xander bet. Why don't you share with people what insights you had? and what losers do and what winners do. What was your biggest bet ever? Like winning the uh, You told me about this earlier. My biggest bet ever. I mean, the, I've had, no, some, I've the, had the, some. The Super Bowl bet you told me about two years ago. Oh, Go ahead and oh, share yeah, what you yeah, did because yeah, yeah. oh, it's crazy. Okay. So, uh, funny story about the, the infamous 28-3 Super Bowl. Um, and I actually, have, um, I actually have the screenshot to prove it. So I'm in a group chat with my boy Jeff and my boy Corey, and we're talking about the Super Bowl, and I'm freaking out because I wanted to put money on the Patriots to win. It was a juicy line. They were they, It wasn't, like, super juicy, but I was just convinced that the Patriots were going to win. I had put all my money that I had in my account at the time um, on, like, a golf tournament, right? And I think it was, like, a, a Matt Kuchar prop. So Kuchar ends up uh, hitting the prop, but just my luck – there was a playoff. So the tournament gets extended. I don't get my payout until they're done. So by the time I got my payout from a bookmaker, the Patriots were down 28 to three. So a part of me was like relieved, like, dude, you got away with one. You were about to put money on the Patriots. And then the gambler in me was like, you know what? What are the odds of the Patriots coming back and, and winning this game? And I looked and I was thinking to myself like, yo, if anything could come back from twenty-eight to three, it'll be the Patriots. And I kid you, you not. You mean like, if any team a, could blow a twenty-eight to three lead, it would be the Falcons. <laughs> it was a real conversation that I had, and like I said, sometimes it's just better to be lucky, you know. Um, but it was a real conversation I had with my friends. Like, hey, I'm about to put a hundred dollars on the Patriots to come back, and they were like, "Yeah, Yo, you're stupid." No, I was like, "No, for real." Like, I. I I mean, I just got a hundred dollars from this from this prop. I mean, what's a hundred dollars? I'll just blow it. I don't care. I was like, it's worth the risk. I'll take it, and I did. And I'm not, man. I was hyped. I think I won like five grand off that. So I was hyped. But um, as far as gambling goes, and my favorite wins, nothing, nothing beats horse racing. 
I don't care what nobody says. Um, I've well-documented success in horse racing uh, in our group. I'm still mad that my boy Maximum Security got cheated, but I followed up with uh, wings at the Preakness and at the Belmont last year as well. And I've pretty much been a triple crown winner. I think in the last three years, I've only lost two of the triple crown races that I bet on. It's been incredible, and I love it every time. So where can we find your picks? Where, where? Because I know that. Go ahead and plug where you put your picks at, Alan. So most of the time, I put my picks in in our our sports group, Iconoclastically Bombastic uh, Sports or IBS. Um, I've kind of navigated to um, the All Star Group, which is a select number of people um, who pay for content uh, within IBS, and then occasionally. And then I dropped free bets. Um, now, all those golf bets that I won last year, every last one of those golf bets was put in that group. So anybody that followed me last year on the golf got all of that for free. Uh, I gave all my golf picks um, for the new season for free up until this week, and then it was like a $50 charge uh, for my plays. And it's just because if I'm winning at, at, the, at the rate that I'm winning right now, um, especially with golf and, and the payout, I just feel like I need to get some kind of compensation for that. And I'm not going to ever think? charge. Yeah, I'm not going to charge pro prices for it, you know, um, but I, I stick by what I pick, man. Um, I'll never forget this for as long as I live. I had uh, NFL packages last year. Um, I struggled with the NFL um, just because sometimes it defies logic how some of these games end. But I had a guy following me on the NFL and I was 100% convinced that this was the year that the Chiefs were going to cast the Patriots. And Andy Reid dropped an egg in the first half. And the Patriots – And, like, the Patriots – I know, right? But the Patriots almost lost. And if you think about it, if D4 doesn't jump off sides, then I look like – Oh, yeah, Chiefs, for sure. You know? But, but D4 jumped off sides, Patriots ended up winning, and the guy just slammed me. You're so stupid. You should have known that, uh, you know, that the Patriots were going to win and yada, yada, yada. And I'm thinking to myself the whole time while he's, like, slamming me, like, yo, you know we really only lost because this man was lined up off sides, right? But I say that just to say that you're going to lose when you bet. That's just part of the game. You're going to lose. The object is to win as much as you possibly can, cash out while you can, and and cut your losses. Um, That guy didn't stick with me. I ended up winning uh, the Rams game next, and then I hit all my props for the Super Bowl. I rolled around, and I played – uh, and I post this in the all-star group as well and just kind of give you guys an insight. So if you notice, there's a gap in between my golf bets because from February to March, I won 70% of my college basketball bets all the way through the uh, March Madness, and I post every single play uh, in the all-star group during that time. And, and they $5, won 70%. It's $5 a month, yeah. right, Alan? It was, it was $5 a month, yeah, $5 a month, and they followed me. And we won all of that. Uh, last December, the bowl series uh, in college football, I basically gave everybody Christmas money. And, and we won every single college bet that I played uh, in that group. And I had an amazing year last year in gambling. And I, I was over 60% in baseball up until I, I cut it out because of work. Uh, my WNBA plays, I do that too. Well over 70%. I got uh, the, the Connecticut Suns to cover tonight, and so far that's looking good as well. Uh, college football, we give out college football bets on my um, podcast for college football. We get, we've we given out 7-1 parlays for underdog bets and, and who to target and so forth. 
Uh, but I will say that NFL is still a work in progress, and I'm going to tame it eventually, but I'm still working on that. <laughs> well, and you have uh, been helping me with, and actually my brother-in-law, with a college football pick'em sheet where they give you 10 games, they send the line on Monday, and we went <laughs> three and seven the first week, and then I was like, hold on, I can do better than that. Let me call Alan. Since that point, we were at a 72% win rate. We went from dead last to one pick out of first. He is ecstatic. I am as well. Uh, you really are the man. We really appreciate you coming uh, on the podcast. And, I, you know, if you're interested, I really do want to eventually get uh, – I would like to get one more sponsor for the podcast. But I'd like to get where if you give one pick uh, each week, we'd have you on just to basically give a pick uh, for, you know, each PGA Tour event. And, uh, you know, hopefully not only – give our listeners, you know, knowledge about what's going on in the game, but hopefully also either, you know, a bet on a winner or a top 10 or a top 20. And like I said, you just, it's blown my mind the season you've had. Uh, When I first told Scott about you, like he was kind of obviously a little hesitant. Like, are you serious? I'm like, dude, I'll show you screenshots. Like he posts his pics. Uh, It's just unreal. And I love how humble you are. Uh, because I mean, it's un- I've never heard of anybody having this kind of success with winners uh, on the PGA Tour, and uh, you know, we just really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Yeah, man, and I love to talk about it, and I'm I'm always willing, like I said, to learn. I'm open minded, um, and I'm never gonna run from my losses for sure because I feel like you learn from our losses, and uh, I love the insight that people like you and Scott have because you guys are true fans and you actually play the sport. Um, in in hindsight, I'm that way about football. Like I love the X's and O's. I know you guys have seen me do film breakdown and things like that. And I listen to guys who are strictly just gamblers on NFL. Like they don't know the difference between cover two and cover three, but they can tell you about lines, you know? And so it's good to have that flexibility and that, that ability to, um, have those resources and utilize it. I think we all have something that we can uh, learn from when, when it comes to gambling. So I'm always down to talk to anybody that wants to talk about anything sports related. Well, you are the man, Scott, you got anything else, buddy? Oh man, Alan, just honestly, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm mind blown. And some of the things you were just talking about, how all the different sports and all the success you have, dude, go to freaking Vegas, start making boosters <laughs> of money doing this. Because I'm good at my job. Keith's great at his job. You are unfreaking believable at this. Like, it's insane the run you're on. I hope it continues for you, buddy. I, I really appreciate you coming on uh, on the podcast with us. And, and yet again, man, IBN Sports, Club Junkies, we got some we got some dudes, like the guys off last century. We got some dudes in these groups that know what they're talking about. And we, we appreciate all the listeners, and we appreciate Alan coming on the show. And, and what a year it's going to be for golf. I'm super excited. Yeah, man. Thank you. All right, guys. This has been another edition of Two Off the Tee brought to you by IB Sports, Club Junkies, and sponsored by Sabbath Golf. Go to sabbathgolf.com, Two Off the Tee with the number two, 15% off. You'll thank us later. We'll see you guys soon. Bye.